Today we're going to start a series called Ordinary Angels. It's a four-part series. We'll, we'll go for the next uh, today and the next three Sundays. It's based on a new movie that came out. Uh, premiered on Friday night. We had about 70 people from our church uh, go out to Exit 7 to the old uh, theater out there, and we saw the movie. And uh, um, it's, it's really a good movie with a good message to it. And um, it's, a, it's based on a true story. Uh, it's a story about a guy named Ed Schmidt. Uh, Ed is a widower. Uh, his wife uh, uh, passed away, got sick and passed away. But Ed had two daughters. And then his youngest daughter got uh, a liver disease. As you can imagine, the medical bills piled up on Ed. And Ed was working, trying to pay his bills. His mother was there helping, trying to take care of the daughters. And things just turned to chaos. And he can't hardly pay the bills. And he's told that he won't be able to bring the little girl to this hospital that's close to the house anymore if he doesn't get caught up on the bills. And he owes an astronomical amount. And he doesn't know where to turn. Then comes a lady named Sharon. And Sharon finds out about Ed's situation, doesn't know him uh, from anybody. But she feels called to get involved. And she begins to help and does fundraisers and raises money. And, well, you'll just have to go to see the movie to find out how it ends. Now, you don't have to see the movie to get something out of the messages that I'm going to preach over the next few weeks. Uh, but, but it would be helpful. And the movie is still showing for several weeks. It's a story of faith and community and courage and, and uh, church and people coming together. And it's a story of what can happen when somebody finds a purpose that they can get behind and get involved in and do something good for somebody else. It's a story about ordinary angels. You know, when you think about that word ordinary angels, what does that mean? You know, in the Bible, we usually think of angels as being these celestial beings with wings that come down. Uh, they probably uh, don't have wings, but angels have appeared to people, but it's very rare. But the word angel actually means messenger in the Greek language of the New Testament. And sometimes God sends an angel to us that's not a celestial being. It may just be somebody on this earth that he's called to bring us a message, a message of hope. And so God sends this lady Sharon to this man Ed in the movie. Now, Sharon has a hard time with Ed. And it's not like Sharon doesn't have the problems of her own. Sharon is an alcoholic. But Sharon overcomes throughout as we go through the movie and helps Ed as he goes through life trying to deal with this sick little girl and this mountain of debt. So we're going to look at this series over the next couple of weeks, Ordinary Angels. And we're going to think about what God's call might be on our life. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the purpose of pain in our lives because sometimes we have to go through pain. 
And we're going to look at doubt and, and what it takes to lead through a crisis situation. And we're going to look at brokenness and how God uses all of that to mold our lives. So we begin today with this question. Why would God allow people to experience pain? You know, that's a big question. It's a tough question. You know, God does use suffering. We talked a little bit about this last week. And as I said last week, sometimes God uses suffering so that he could comfort us and teach us about his comfort so that we then, knowing God's comfort, can comfort other people. Sometimes God uses suffering to teach us not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on him. Sometimes God uses suffering to discipline us. Sometimes God uses suffering to mature us, to help us grow. And sometimes God uses suffering to prove our faith so we learn that we can trust Him no matter what we face. You know, this world, as we said last week, is under a curse. Since the time of Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve were put out of the Garden of Eden, uh, we've lived in this broken world. This place is not where we were intended to be that beautiful, pristine garden. But we have been sent, uh, we have been put here on this earth, and it's a broken world, and we will have to suffer. We will face problems, but there's always hope, especially if you know the Lord. There is always hope. And God is always working in our lives to lead us and guide us. And we know, just as our mission says for our church, Hope changes everything. And when you have hope, it can lead you to do things that you might not imagine. You know, in this movie, this guy, Ed Smith, he's hurting. He's broken. He's feeling the the pain in his life. And he's having a hard time leading his family and guiding them through this difficult time. He's buried under a mountain of debt. He's feeling all this pain and suffering. You know, odds are many of you have faced that. Some of you, I know your stories, and I know what you've been through. I myself have been through some tough times in the last, uh, in the last few weeks. We experience hurt and suffering. We experience physical problems and emotional problems and loss and, and maybe problems with our job or uh, situations with investments and And money can be a a heavy burden on people. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. You never know what's going to happen. But God is at work. If we believe in Him and trust Him, He will work for us. So let's turn today to a situation, to a place in the Bible, John chapter 11, uh, not unlike the problem that Ed Smith is facing. It's a story of a family who's hurting a family who's suffering. They have problems. They're two sisters, and their brother is, is very sick. They're fearful that their brother is going to die. And so we look at John chapter 11, and we'll begin reading here at John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. 
You know, we never know what's going to happen in life, what God is going to bring on us. Sometimes we go through situations where they're they're just suffering. I heard about a preacher who was in the Fort Myers Airport down in Florida, and uh, the, the weather turned bad and all the flights were canceled. And so there are these long lines of people trying to rebook flights and and change their plans and and do what they needed to do. And there was this one Delta agent behind this counter, this lady, and she was very cool and very calm and very helpful getting people lined up. Well, this one guy, he just goes around the line and he comes up to the counter and he says, I want you to book me a flight and I want you to book it now. And she said, sir, you'll have to wait in line like everybody else. No, I'm I'm here, and I want you to book me a flight, and and I want you to do it now. And he looked at her, and he said, do you know who I am? Well, she got on her little speaker all of a sudden, and she, uh, she said very calmly over the speaker, ladies and gentlemen, evidently we have someone here who does not know who he is. So if you have lost an adult with an identity issue, you can claim him here at the ticket counter. Well, the whole place erupted in applause, and the man stormed off. You know, sometimes people just step up, and they do the right thing, and they take care of bad situations. But what happens when people don't step up? What happens when we're in in a tough situation, and nobody shows up? And even more than that, sometimes God doesn't do what we think he ought to do. And we're at a loss for what to do. And things can be done. What what do you do when God doesn't do what you think he should do? How do you behave? How do you react? Well, let's analyze this story that we found. As you may have deduced, it's the story of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Let's analyze this story, and we're going to look from four different perspectives today at at how this plays out. And here's the first perspective. From everyone's perspective, there's waiting. There's waiting. You think about the sisters. They sent a message to Jesus. Your friend Lazarus, the one you love, he's sick. What does that say? Jesus, we need you to come. We need you to come now. I think we all expected Jesus to come. We, we, we want him there. We want him to fix things. You know, I imagine the sisters were thinking, well, you always help strangers. Why can't you come help this one? He's your close friend. You know, there are times when everyone waits. There are times even when people who don't really generally uh, know the Lord or, or relate to God, even they pray to the Lord and they wait on the Lord. They turn to Him in their difficult situations. You have waited. I've waited. We've all waited sometimes thinking that the Lord is going to do something. Ed Schmidt, he was waiting in the movie and he wanted God to work and do something. We're all waiting at one time or another For God to work. But you know, the Lord doesn't always do what we think He should do. The Lord does what He knows needs to be done. 
And he does it when he knows it needs to be done. There's a couple of verses in the scripture. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, God knows things we don't know. And He knows what is going to happen in the future, and He does what He knows needs to be done. Well, let's look on in our story here in John 11 at verse 4. When He heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. Wow, I didn't expect that. I expected it to say he jumped up and took off. But he stayed right where he was. He waited two more days. You would think Jesus would just rush off to to be Superman and go go save Lazarus. So I want you to think now a second perspective. From the disciples' perspective, there's wondering. We'll see that as we get into the story. There are two statements here that are very important. One, if you have a red-letter Bible, it's in red letters. That means it's the words of Jesus. He says, this sickness will not end in death. There's a second statement there. It's in black letters. That means it's something that John wrote. Remember, he's the disciple that wrote this letter, this, this, uh, this gospel. And he says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Jesus, of course, traveled. Uh, John traveled with Jesus, and he knew Jesus well. And he knew that he cared deeply for this family. Both of those statements are important. I'm sure that the disciples were kind of puzzled. They were wondering, why doesn't he jump up and do something? In verse 7, there begins a discussion. Jesus says, well, I'm going to go. We won't read all this. Verses 9 and 10, the disciples uh, say to Jesus, "Well, or or verse 8, they say to Jesus, oh, wait a minute, Jesus. Uh, Remember last time you went there, The Jews tried to kill you. Maybe uh, it's not time that you should go. And then Jesus in verses 9 and 10 uh, tells them something about darkness and light, which is kind of hard to understand. Maybe it was a saying that they had back in those days. But the point Jesus is trying to make is, I'm in the light, which he's referring to being in God's will, doing what God wants us to do, versus being in the darkness and doing what man wants to do. Jesus knows what he's doing. Remember, he said this was going to happen for the glory of God. So Jesus is inside of God's will. Now look at verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Now verses 12 through 16 indicate that By sleep, Jesus meant he had died. 
Lazarus had died. Jesus knew that Lazarus had died. Jesus even knew before it happened that Lazarus was going to die. Let's look at a third perspective from the from your perspective. You're wounded. And when I use the word you're, I'm thinking about you in your situation. I'm thinking about Mary and Martha in their situation. I'm thinking about Ed Smith in the movie in his situation. People are wounded when things don't happen. When God doesn't do what we think God ought to do, sometimes we get wounded. I'm sure Mary and Martha were disappointed when Lazarus died and Jesus had not even shown up. In fact, if you do the math in the text, Jesus showed up four days later. Lazarus had already been buried in the tomb four days when Jesus got there. You know, we can be the same way as Mary and Martha. I mean, you think about it. We, we pray about something. Let's say we're trying to buy a new house and we don't get the house that we wanted. Or we're looking for a promotion on our job and we don't get the promotion. Our kids get married and they decide they're not going to have grandkids right away and they're going to focus on their career and we want grandkids. Our marriage is in shambles and, and we pray and we ask God to fix it and, and it just doesn't seem God's working. Or our parents are aging and, and we pray for healing and it just doesn't seem to come. Or if you're in school, you pray, Lord, help me pass the test. Lord, help me make the team. Some of us are praying today, Lord, transfer my boss. Life would be so much easier if I had a different boss. And when it doesn't happen, it leads to discouragement. This world can be a discouraging place. It's a broken world. And we wait, like Mary and Martha, and we wonder, like the disciples, and we're wounded. You know, we live in an instant world, don't we? Push a button, TV turns on. Want to know some information? Pull out your cell phone, say something into your little box, and there's the answer that we want. It's an instant world. You know, this week we made some instant soup, potato soup. It was pretty good. Instant. Heard about this guy from Russia. He, he comes to America. You know, in Russia, the grocery stores, the shelves are empty. They have very little variety there. And, and, you know, he comes to the grocery store. Imagine going to Food City, how well-stocked they are. Very seldom are they out of anything. And, you, and you, he, he's going down the aisles, and he's looking at all this instant stuff. And, you know, he sees, he sees instant soup mix. He goes down another aisle, and he says, instant iced tea. And he goes down another aisle, and he sees instant coffee. And he's just thinking, wow, just pour a little water in and add, and I've got this stuff instantly. And he goes down another aisle, and he sees instant drink mix. And he goes down another aisle, and he sees instant powder milk. And then he wounds up over on this other aisle, and he sees baby powder, and he thinks, wow, what a world. But you know, everything doesn't happen in an Many things do. Many times healing doesn't come in an instant. Many times the answer to our problems doesn't come in an instant. Pastor Ashley Woodridge says, 
A waiting season is never a wasted season because oftentimes God wants to do something in you before he does something through you. So in those times when we're waiting and when we're wondering, even when we're wounded, we need to turn to God. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who hope in him, those who seek him. You know, both of these sisters said the same thing to Jesus when they got there. Unbeknownst to one another, in chapter 11, verse 21, and in verse 32, Martha in 21 says, If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can hear their frustration, their disappointment, their wounded. You know, the psalmist, I think, verbalizes how we feel. King David wrote most of the psalms. Psalm 13, 1 and 2, he says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day, sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? In Psalm 119, 84, he says, How long must your servant wait? Over 20 times in the Psalms, King David uses that phrase, how long? It's just David being honest with God. And sometimes we're asking that same question. How long, Lord? How long till something happens? I want to play a video clip for you from the movie. You can probably relate to this. Ed Schmidt is been to the grocery store and he comes home from the grocery store and and uh, his mother is there cooking dinner for the two girls and for Ed and listen to the conversation they had. Get my noodles. What? The noodles, the egg noodles. They're on the list. Oh, I guess I forgot. What do you mean you forgot? I already made the stroking off all I need is the noodles. Sorry. Well, how could you forget when I gave you a list? I don't know, Mom. I, I, I write lists so you won't forget. If I knew you weren't going to do it, I would... I said enough! Just leave it. I couldn't afford the noodles. Couldn't afford half the things on that list. Bill and said if I don't catch up on payments, I'm going to have to start taking her to some public hospital two hours away. Son, don't lose your faith over this. Come on now. Gotta hold strong. My faith? You know how many prayer lists Teresa was on? Seventeen. And now they got Michelle on all those same lists. Good faith to me. Maybe you've been frustrated like that before. You've been in that place where you're you're wounded. It says something we probably all wanted to say. A lot of good faith is doing that. Now, if you've seen the movie, you know that God works in that. God's not done yet. In fact, God's just getting started. 
And God uses this alcoholic woman named Sharon who struggles herself. But she feels that she's been called by God to get involved and help Ed. And that she does. You know, Jesus shows up at the right time and he begins to work with Mary and Martha. Listen to what Jesus says to Mary and Martha in verse 23. Jesus said to her brother, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? We come to a fourth perspective, and that is the perspective from God. He's working. Jesus spoke first to Martha, and then he spoke to Mary. And as I said, they both said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It seems they were blaming Jesus for Lazarus' death. But I'll take you back to the beginning of the story. Jesus said this will not end in death. He didn't say there wouldn't be death. He said it will not end in death. You know, God works in mysterious ways. He's working to show who Jesus is. And we have to learn to trust God. Trust His plan. Trust His timing. You know, whatever happens, you got to know that God loves you and that He's working on your behalf in your best interest. So often, God works through people. Many times, God works through these ordinary angels, not celestial beings, just ordinary people that He puts in our lives to help us. Sometimes, God will use you to be an ordinary angel. Well, Martha, after talking to Jesus, sent Mary to find Jesus. And listen to these verses beginning at verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Supposedly the shortest verse in the Bible. That tells us something. When we're grieving, God is grieving. God weeps with us. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been here four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take the grave clothes and let him go. God is at work. No matter what we face, God is at work. Please know, God doesn't raise everybody from the dead after they've been placed in the grave like he did here. He did this to show who Jesus is. We live in a world, a broken world, a world of dementia and divorce and drunk drivers killing people and diseases and, yes, even death. But God always gives us hope in the midst of that. He doesn't promise that he'll heal everybody. He does heal some, but whatever we face, face, he will bring us through it. He's always working to show his glory. And he's always working in you to show you that he loves you and that he will be with you. And here's our connection today. We have to learn to trust God whose unconventional methods unfold according to his timetable. You know, the Lord will guide you through your troubles and whatever you face. And he will often put ordinary angels there to help you overcome. Or in some cases, he's going to help you be the ordinary angel. One more scene from the movie. This is Sharon, and she goes to an AA meeting, Alcoholics Anonymous, to get some help with her problem. Because this call that God has brought on her life is changing her life. Listen to the advice that this one man in the meeting gives to Sharon. I got so tired of that feeling. Empty. No meaning. No nothing. I had to find something beyond myself. Some purpose. That's when things changed for me. Started anyway. So that's my advice. Find a reason to be here that's bigger than you are. Find a reason to be here that's bigger than you are. That's what ordinary angels do. They find a reason to do something, to help others, to be involved, to hear God's call on their life and do something bigger than they are. Remember verse 5, the Lord told Mary, and or, or the text says that the Lord loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You know what? The Lord loves you too. Despite whatever you've done in the past, the Lord loves you. Will you trust Him? Will you seek Him? Will you follow Him? If you've got something going on in your life, look for those ordinary angels that God sends to help you. Don't push them away. And if you are pretty good in your life right now, Look to be an ordinary angel to help somebody because God is working in all of our lives. Some of you are wondering what happened to the little girl. We didn't say much about her. Well, 
There's two ways you can find out. One way is you can go see the movie. The other way is you'll have to come back over the next four weeks and you'll find out from me. In the meantime, start looking. How can I be an ordinary angel and find a purpose that God has for me in this life? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for uh, your message that you send through Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We all have times when we're frustrated. We all have times when we're waiting. We all have times when we're wondering, when we're wounded. But we need to know that you are working. You work in our lives. And you will guide us and direct us and help us through whatever we face. And one day we know that for those that hold on in faith, you're going to take us all to a place where there will be no more tears, no more crying, and no more pain. But the old order of things will pass away. And Father, we know that you'll be there with us, present in that place we call heaven. And until then, we have to suffer in this broken world. But Father, help us to hold on in faith. In Christ's name we pray, and we pray. Amen.